Hello, hello, and welcome to the Faster with Amy show, the show where we talk about how you can lift your life and business with simple strategies. I'm Faster with Amy, your host and coach, and I'll bring you a new episode every day. Today, I'll be sharing the parenting and leadership lessons I've learned over the past six months while living with two kids 50% of the time. And you know what? Those leadership lessons, they don't just come from raising kids. They also come from building a team over the past year. Because in the past year, a lot has shifted uh, for me. So I thought it would be nice to share some insights with you on that. On top of that, I'll also be answering some frequently asked questions I got about being a plus mom. Because uh, they were sent to me through my Instagram. This is episode 77, so if you want to read about the principles we're talking about today, you can go and read the recap of this episode through fastforwardamy.com forward slash 77. And just to give you a little bit of a glimpse into what we're doing in this episode, I'm basically going to be looking at uh, raising kids, managing a team, and all of those different aspects, and sharing some of my own life communication principles. So um, I thought if you're into that, it might be that you're also into learning more about soft skills and other stuff like that. So I compiled a books list with my favorite books about business, but also about communication and happiness uh, in my Amy's books list. And you can grab that list for free through fastforwardamy.com forward slash Amy's books. And like always, you can find all of the links and resources I mentioned in the description of the episode. So that means if you click on the episode, for example, on Apple Podcasts, you can see it in Spotify, on YouTube, below the video. You can find it everywhere and also on the website. <laughs> okay, so I guess uh, in order to film or record this episode, I need to go back to where it all started. About two and a half years ago, I went to a rally I was going to be driving with my dad and... Um, Oh, two and a half years ago? Yeah, about two and a half years ago. Um, my dad and I drove to this rally and um, we arrived there and it was the first competitive old-timer rally I was gonna drive and I was just doing it to do my dad a favor. To be honest, I really didn't want to go. But we were there, it's about a two-hour trip there. We talked a lot about work. I was super into work at the time, like couldn't shut up my brain. And uh, we arrived there. And my dad was like, I really want to teach you this. We're gonna do really great uh, driving this old-timer rally. Because the year before, he had placed second with my oldest brother. So I felt the pressure, like, you know, high performance, high achieving. I was like, yeah, we gotta do this well. My dad gave me the book, like the road book and a bunch of like <laughs> uh, pens and stuff. And I was sitting in that lobby and I was literally just looking at that book. And I was like, holy shit, I do not understand anything about this concept. I was like, I'm a smart person. I went to university. I have a business degree. I do not get what I'm doing. And as I'm realizing I do not get it whatsoever, my dad tells me, hey, Amy, meet Charlie. Charlie is one of the best co-pilots uh, there is in the Belgian rally scene. And I see this dude in a leather jacket and a leather hat. And I'm like, hmm, not bad, not bad whatsoever. And he sits across from me at the table in the lobby. He pulls out this road book because he's also a co-pilot. He pulls out the road book and I see him talking to my dad and I'm like, oh, so how do you do that? And I see him just like <laughs> grabbing a pen and circling some things and just like, when, while I was still on page two of the hundred pages, after 15 minutes, he just like <laughs> closes the row book and he's like, I'm done, I'm gonna go for a drink. And I was like, what? <laughs> uh, later that evening, we were getting um, a briefing of the entire event that weekend. And I saw him, I was like, hey, Charlie, come and stand with us. We chatted briefly. And I remember thinking, hot guy, tall guy, 
not bad. Um, but we didn't really connect any further that weekend. Fast forward a couple of rallies later, it's November and I see him again at like 7 p.m. I think it was actually December, super dark and rainy, typical Belgian weather. And I see Charlie again at another rally. And I was like, oh, wow, he's looking really good. And he was like, oh, happy to see you. And there was a connection, but still not a lot was happening because people always tend to think you immediately connect and then you become an item, but there was nothing going on. And um, after that rally, I had this moment for myself and I know this is a lot of background, but <laughs> you know, and then I can tell it once and then be over with it. I had this moment, um, gotta know something about me. Before Charlie, I dated a lot of bad guys, bad boys, guys that weren't treating me with respect, not the best men for me. My friends always laughed about it. I was always able to just fall for the worst <laughs> men. Um, kind of like as a self-destruct mechanism, I think. And I was always making my love life really hard and there was always something going on, you know? And later in that same month of December, I realized like, oh my God, I've been so angry, not with those men, but I've been angry at myself for continuously always falling for those kind of guys. So I kind of had this coming to God's moment, or how do you call that? And I decided for myself, like, hmm, I'm gonna forgive myself for all of the past mistakes in men I've made. By the way, I talked about this in episode two of the podcast, I think. And I am just gonna go for, um, no, I'm not gonna do that to myself anymore. Not even one week later, I'm at another rally and I see Charlie standing there and I'm like, hmm, yeah, he's a good guy and he's attractive. And I remember talking to my dad in the car, being like, yeah, that Charlie dude is a really good dude. And later that night, I drank a little bit too much. And I ended up texting Charlie and being like, hey, do you want to go and grab a glass of wine? And uh, I think he was very surprised. We would have never gone out if I didn't make the first move. But we went out and the rest is history. And I knew he had kids. But to be honest, I wasn't really looking for a relationship back then. I was more looking to get over my own bad behavior of falling for the wrong men and fall for the right guy. And I was like getting back into the field, getting back to opening up, getting back to giving everything a shot. And I didn't expect us to fall into a serious relationship so quickly because then probably I would have thought more about the fact that he had kids and what that meant. But I was just like, let's have some fun. Let's do this. And I had the worst uh, fear of commitment in the beginning, but after a while I got over myself. He was very patient with me. So at a certain point I decided like, okay, Charlie has kids. I was never planning on dating someone with kids. I don't think that's the typical thing you plan on doing. Um, it's not the fairy tale people set out to have in the beginning of their dating life or adult life or when they're looking for a serious relationship. But after a few months, uh, I met the kids and they met me just as a friend of their dad's. My best friend was there, my cousin was there, we met in a park. Um, and yeah, gradually got to know the kids, kids got to know me. We kind of asked for their permission to like, uh, I, it was at a certain point at a barbecue where Charlie was like, you know, you can touch me, right? He was telling me like, you know, you can touch me. But the kids were there and I said, because his daughter our daughter was there, Alexi, and I said, well, I don't know if Alexi uh, would like that because, you know, it, it's not nice when your dad's new girlfriend is like all over him. Uh, and she just, she was so sweet and she just replied and said, as long as dad is happy, 
I'm happy. And um, I wasn't gonna make this an emotional episode, but I'm tearing up thinking about it because it's so sweet. She was nine at the time. I can't believe she was so sweet about it. Um, so yeah, uh, in the beginning I was still living uh, in Antwerp and I would see Charlie and the kids every other weekend when I felt like it and when I didn't feel like it, I didn't. And it felt like optional for me at the time. I don't know. Uh, but then, you know, Corona hit, I went and uh, stayed with Charlie for a week or so I thought. I stayed there for six months. <laughs> I never went back to Antwerp because I was uh, sick of it. And then, you know, vacations roll around and you spend 50% of the time with the kids. And then the kids actually started spending 50% of their time uh, with us. And then we bought a house or like I bought a house that was big enough for all of, of us to fit in. And now we've been living here, the four of us, 50% of the time for six months. That's kind of our story. And I mean, that's it in a nutshell-ish. A year ago, I wasn't living with the kids. The kids weren't with us 50% of the time. And now a year later, I bought a house with rooms for the kids. We're all here and uh, one big happy family and also struggling to adapt to the new situation. I get so many questions about this on Instagram. Whenever I share a story where they're in it, and it seems like I do it a lot, but actually I only share something where you can see them probably like once a month. It took me a really long time before I started sharing anything about uh, about them. I also asked their mom before I did it because I didn't know if she was comfortable with it uh, and I didn't want to just assume that that was okay and she said like yeah sure of course there has been so much so much time with you guys. By the way that's another thing I think the most frequently asked question I get is like how do you get along with the bio mom? Uh, we get along well. Um, this is also not about her. This is not about the kids. This is about my experience being a plus mom and I hope it helps someone. Uh, or just in general raising kids. Um, we get along well, we never talk badly about her. That's out of respect both to her and the kids. And that's, I think just wouldn't set a good precedence. I totally understand if that does happen in relationships. Um, I am proud of us for not doing that. And just like always keeping the end goal in mind uh, as both parenting couples that you want to do what's best for the kids. So that's definitely something having a, a common goal uh, together. I don't know how to say that. It's definitely good. So obviously in the past six months and, and even longer, but obviously I've learned a lot and I keep on learning and I will be learning for a really long time. It's really weird, you know, I've gotten comments like, well, at least you only have them half of the time um, and then you can chill the other week. Whereas my heart breaks every time they leave. Um, just yesterday, this, there was a switch because on Tuesdays we switch. I'm recording this on a Wednesday <laughs> and Alexi was just bawling her eyes out having to leave and she also does that the other way around like they're really happy in both homes which is very good for the kids I think but just seeing their little hearts break it breaks our hearts Charlie had tears in his eyes it's just not easy and then by the time you get used to them being gone they come back and your entire rhythm is disturbed again and then by the time you're used to seeing each other and like have this rhythm going again after week they leave again so it's in a constant state of flux. I really struggle with that. They really struggle with it. But I've learned um, some things that have really helped me navigate this better. And I thought I'd make an episode not just about the story, but really sharing some tips because I know I would be interested in hearing that from someone else. So 
One of the first things that we've been really practicing more uh, the last couple of weeks, because we saw that the switch was so hard, is managing expectations. And this is something I was able to borrow from my coaching experience, namely managing the expectations of your clients by telling them what's coming up so they know like which milestones are coming up and when the next sessions are, for example. I did the same with the kids. So we noticed them really struggling like um, with our littlest one, like they're six and 11, by the way, with Jack, we saw that often Monday night, he didn't really realize on Tuesday he was gonna go to his mom's. So we, we looked at how can we speed up the nesting time when we come back? Like how can we speed up that they feel comfortable here again? It's not that they don't feel comfortable, by the way. They always are really happy to be here. You just feel it at the end of the week that it's different, that everyone is settled into the rhythm. So I looked at, um, I noticed it because I saw him cuddling up to me on Monday evenings and on Sunday evenings. And I was like, how can I speed this up that he does that sooner in the week? So I talked to them and I was like, on Monday night, I was like, so next week, Tuesday, when you guys come back here, what would you like to eat? And we created these um, different, I would say like anchor, anchoring points. Like, what are we gonna eat? What are we gonna do when you come here? Like, we're gonna go for a swim, then we're gonna eat spaghetti, and then we're gonna uh, watch the rest of the movie that we started yesterday, for example. And ever since we've been doing that, that has been working much, much better. They really settle in more quickly and they have less trouble leaving. Um, and I think that's just managing their expectations. You can do that in so many ways. Also by telling kids like, hey, tomorrow we're gonna be doing that and that and that. It's just like adults. I also like to know what's happening next week. I also like to know what's happening tomorrow. We all as humans tend to deal really badly with um, insecurity. And that's the same for kids, especially when they're going back and forth so much. I notice that it really helps for their security to know what's coming up. So yeah. Um, do it with your clients, do it with your kids, really tell them what's gonna be coming up so they have those anchoring points or milestones for themselves. On top of managing expectations, I learned something from my dad. Um, I learned it many, many years ago that when your clients, for example, when you're hosting a workshop and it doesn't click, it's often because people miss visual cues for things. And we noticed the same with the bedtime. So for me, I didn't get a baby that I got to sleep train. I got six and an 11 year old and a six year old doesn't wanna to go to bed at night because he wants to spend more time with us. So um, my dad helped me set this up on my iPad that for example, when they go to bed at eight, I now have Jack pressing like a 30 minute timer at 7.30 and it's visual and he can see the cue and he can see like, oh, at eight o'clock I'm turning off the TV. And we've added not only the visual elements, but also the ownership part where I tell him every couple of minutes to look at the clock, like, hey, that's where it's bedtime is coming up soon. Because we used to do it be like, in 15 minutes we're going to bed, in 10 minutes we're going to bed, but that's very unclear for a kid. So we added the visual element, which really works for him. Every kid is different, by the way. Um, and now he also knows like when there's only a couple of seconds left, he, he turns the TV off himself, which has this element of ownership which again also is the same with your team and with um, clients. You always wanna give people as much ownership as possible so that they can do stuff themselves. So for example, as a boss, I've had to learn how to, uh, when I see a visual, for example, instead of being like, oh no, I don't like the way this quote is laid out, I'll do it myself and I'll change it, to really hold back, to give feedback and to give the ownership to people so that they can 
finish the thing they started themselves and that they can also feel satisfied when they do it themselves. So with the kids, it's the same way. You can't just include them when it suits you. You gotta include them whenever, for example, if we're baking something together, I've noticed that they like that a lot too and I like it too. Um, yeah, having them make something from start to finish and having them break the eggs. And also if the egg breaks, then have them scoop out the part that broke themselves. Just handing ownership is really important. So we had managing expectations, visual learning, uh, ownership. And then I think there's really two really big items. Um, my dad used to tell me, because I've talked to my parents a lot about this, I've gotten so much out of how my dad's my dad and mom, not my dad's, how my mom and dad raised us. I'm so grateful for my mom for spending so much time with us. Um, I have three brothers and it must not have been easy to have four kids. Uh, we have like youngest to oldest, there's a seven year difference. So in seven years time, four kids, quite a lot. Uh, three boys as well. Uh, I was always Fergie. Um, I was a good girl, I was always listening, <laughs> but boys, not so much all the time. I think they raised us pretty well. I think we did pretty well and they did a good job with us. So I've been talking to them a lot about this. And obviously they don't have any experience with having plus kids, but they have a lot of experience with kids. So I'm happy I got to learn all of this from them. And my dad said this thing and he said, um, being firm is also a way of showing your love or like being strict is also a way of showing your love. And I realized that that applies to so many things. Throughout my career, I have gotten good at establishing very firm and strong boundaries with my clients. Then building a team, I was like, everyone have all the freedom. I don't know how to do this, just do it. And with kids, you're also like, you wanna include them, you wanna give them options. But that is not always what they need. Sometimes they just really need clarity, they need boundaries, they need consistency. Um, and yeah, realizing that you don't always have to give people all of the options and all of the choice because you would like that. Cause I'm an options person. I'm like, give me all the options and like to choose and different things. But for small children, doesn't work really well. For team members, sometimes they will also just like get a little bit of a, like a fried brain if you overwhelm them with too much stuff. Sometimes you just gotta be really clear. So. I think that's been a big lesson for me, stepping into more of a power role and also being okay with setting those boundaries and telling them when it's okay to do something, when it's not okay to do something. Um, yeah, it's also a way of sharing love. I don't know if this makes sense. I think you definitely gotta pick your battles with kids. Uh, I see a lot of parents online say that, like, pick your battles, don't make turn everything into a big thing, but also just setting clear boundaries. Like on Fridays, they are exhausted. They need to go to bed on time. You're not doing them a favor by having them be up late because then you will, they will go over their limit, then they will cry and then they won't want to sleep. So just setting the clear boundaries, even when they don't want to, just continuously being consistent in doing what's best for them. So I don't know where I was gonna go with this. I talked about managing expectations. There's stuff I learned as a coach. There's stuff I learned as a parent. I am definitely learning every day. And I think um, I had a really big feeling of knowing, I think there's a lot of mom guilt out there. Like I should know how to do this. Uh, over the past year I've had this about being a boss and being a parent. I mean like, I should know how to be a better boss. I'm not good enough if I don't know how to do it. I should know how to be a better parent. I'm a bad parent, stuff like that. And I guess that's what everyone struggles with or 
often struggles with. And what I've come to realize is after being super overwhelmed by a ton of advice, I had to go back to trusting my gut and the way I do things. And the way I do things is I communicate with integrity, transparency, compassion, and respect. So that's integrity, transparency, compassion, and respect. And as long as you do that, you can only just try your best. My mom used to say that when I had exams. She said, you can only try your hardest or you can only do your best and then that's it. And I used to hate that she said that. I was like, no, but I want to get great results on the exams. You can't control the results. You can only control what you're putting in. And sometimes you'll have more energy. Sometimes you'll have less energy. Last week, I wasn't able to create that anchor point for the kids that I talked about in the beginning because I was just super overwhelmed by my own workday. And I was like, they'll be fine tomorrow. And then Alexi left for her mom's and she was just bawling her eyes out. And I was like, oh, okay, so not creating the anchor, anchoring point had this effect. Could I have done that better? Yeah. And next time we will do it again. And she actually asked me while she was crying, like, what are we having for dinner next week? And I was like, wow. So that little trick really helped. Uh, but what I wanted to say is to all parents, to all new bosses, to all new team members, to all people in general, when you communicate with compassion, integrity, transparency and respect, you are trying your hardest. Sometimes it will go well, sometimes it will go a little bit less well. <laughs> um, but all will be good as long as you keep on learning and keep on opening yourself up to all the things and be kind to yourself. So that's what I wanted to share today. I hope you liked this experience. Um, I still get a lot of questions about this online, so I hope that I can kind of refer people to this episode to discover more about this. I'm curious to hear more parenting tips. Feel free to share those. I've also heard a lot of feedback from people who are like, oh, I'm not a plus parent, but I'm a plus kid. So feel free to reach out. Uh, hopefully only positivity. I don't need any negativity. My life is hard enough as it is. <laughs> Learning how to be a parent all of a sudden. Um, and if you like this and you want to learn more about communication and uh, leadership and all of those different soft skills, definitely go and grab my download with the books list. It's phosphoritamy.com forward slash Amy's books. And I've included my favorite books on leadership, business, happiness, mindset, all of that in that list. And uh, you can just go ahead and grab it. Okay. This is episode 77. I hope you liked it. I was uncomfortable. So that's mostly a good sign. <laughs> and next week, Tuesday, I'll be back with a new episode. And next week, I'm going to be talking to you about Formula One. That might be very unexpected, but I'm going to be talking to you about what I have learned from watching the Netflix show about Formula One. To this date, I've actually never watched a Formula One race. So <laughs> there you have that. Talk to you next week, Tuesday. If you like this episode, please, please, please share it to your Instagram and tag me as at Amy. And now, have a happy day.